Hey everybody, welcome back to Simply Holy Living, a practical guide for living the open-handed life every day. And welcome back to chapter two of our summer book club, The Unhurried Life. I'm so excited that you're joining in for this. I've had so much fun reading all of your comments below the video. Those of you who didn't comment, please comment. I want to know what you're learning from this book. Um, it's so exciting. And uh, I've been particularly grateful to God because... Uh, you know, I work in youth and family ministry, and the funniest thing about that is that the months of June and July for us, that's like, that's prime time for us. That That's the busiest we're going to be out of the whole entire year is June and July. We host these camps, one have for 500 teens and one for almost that many preteens, and um, we are right in the middle of camp season. So I made the first video before I left for teen camp, and... Um, it was really so funny because I think God is so purposefully choosing this time for me to pick the busiest time I have in my life to teach me to be unhurried. Um, but I have to admit, I just had such a great time at camp. I just really trying to take in each moment as it went by, you know, and find the spirit in each activity that I was doing, you know, hearing God's voice in each thing. He has a will for each thing that I'm doing that day. That's become my new mantras, you know, What's, what's God's will in this moment? What's God's will in this moment? What's God's will in this moment? You know, and just going from moment to moment, being present, walking with God, um, you know, and going in, going through each day, not thinking about tomorrow or what didn't get done or, you know, how much we had to do and what next week's going to be, whatever, but just trying to enjoy it as it went by. And I have to admit, I had a, an extraordinarily peaceful week. It was really awesome. So I'm, I'm grateful for what's happening now. Right now, I'm in between camps, so I had teen camp last week, now we have week off, and then we have youth camp next week. And this is so funny because even making this video is sort of crammed in, but I, I'm like, well, I'm just going to keep walking and see what God allows time for. And right now he's allowing this 30 minutes or so for this video, so I'm just going to enjoy it. Um, I have had a great time with chapter two as well. So I'm just going to do what I did last time and basically just read what my highlights were, at least some of them, and then answer the questions. Try not to make it too long. But I think uh, the first thing that I highlighted in this is the practice of solitude, silence and listening to God started to slow me down and enabled me to focus my attention more and more on coming to Jesus and following him rather than talking about Jesus and slaving away for him. And this spoke right to my soul because this is something I've been working on for a long time. This is one of those moments when I read that, what I was like, I feel like someone has written a book, this is kind of an aside, of all the things I've been thinking in my head, but I have not been able to verbalize, you know, fully. And um, it, here's someone who's fleshed them out, thought about them, <laughs> studied them, and lived them. And uh, I'm so grateful to have this, but I was thinking about how often I, and I know this about myself, is I, I can start a project, I can start whatever I'm doing, and I actually start with God. I think it's, I feel called to do it, God is calling me to do it, but then somewhere along the way, I, I sort of leave him and, oh, I got this or something. I don't know what I'm thinking. I start working for him rather than with him. And, um, you know, it's like at, after you begin with the Spirit, you're now trying to attain your goals by human effort. I always hear that Galatians scripture in my head. Um, but that's definitely me, and I have to keep retaking myself back to God. No, I need to do this with God. I'm not working for God. I work with God, and that is something big for me. Um, and then the next thing I underline is the, this thing where he says, often we would take 30 minutes of a two-hour meeting to go our separate ways and simply be alone with God. Now, this is this really spoke to me because you know I'm full-time in the ministry, or, or my family is full-time in the ministry. 
And so we host a lot of meetings, we're in charge of a lot of meetings, and we are guests at a lot of meetings. So we are attendees for some of the meeting, meetings that other people are planning. So meetings are a big part of our life, and most of them are about how to, how to help God's church, how to help um, the kingdom. But he follows it up with this and he says, I wanted to assume that students could do this on their own time, but we discovered that our way of life and ministry up until then had made that unlikely. And I started, I totally connected with this because this is something that I think all the time, like, you know, you have this two-hour meeting and then you're like, well, pe you know, people pray on their own, they'll, they'll do that on their own. And then I just had to realize, no, they won't. <laughs> I don't do it on my own. Of course, I have a quiet time in the morning, but I don't have a specific time in the midst of a meeting to commune with God. And I was thinking about, you know, really most of the meetings that I'm involved with are you start with a prayer, you end with a prayer. Um, but it, it's almost like a rubber stamp prayer. God, you know, bless what we're doing. You know, that's something that we've talked about before instead of trying to figure out what he's blessing and getting on board with that. But I, um, I started thinking about this because I personally have meetings that I go to that I'm not in charge of and I'm not going to plan the agenda. And I found myself in those meetings, you know, I, 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 just, I just walk in, to be honest, unprepared spiritually. And I would... If there was time in that meeting just to sit and, you know, for 15 minutes or whatever, time period to be alone with God, that would probably be great. But it's not, it doesn't have to happen. I can do that before I go. And I just realized, you know, how many times, especially as a mom, I've got babysitter come over because you got to really fix it. So I started thinking if it's a, if it's a two o'clock meeting, that means it's a 1.30 meeting for me. I need to be, I need to meditate and pray. I need to start that at 1.30 um, before I ever walk into that meeting. So that means I need to get my babysitter here early because how many times do I get, I get my babysitter and then I'm like walking out the door, running out the telling her stuff, to, oh, you gotta do this, you gotta do this, and then I'm running to this meeting, you know, and I'm frantic up to here, you know, with the stuff that I've had to do to get out of the house. And then I'm walking into the meeting in that space, in a frantic space, like, uh, of course, I've walked into many meetings like that. And I just realized, you know, this was confirmation for me. No, no more. If the, if the meeting starts at 3 or 5 or 7, whatever, my meeting for me starts at 6.30 or five or you know 4.30 or whatever it is, 30 minutes before, I have to plan that time in so that I can walk into that meeting already ready, you know, having communed with God. And the meetings that we are, we actually set the agenda for, the meetings that we're in charge of, we can do this. And I we did it while we were at teen camp. It was so f amazing because, you know, we had the worship, we, we lead the worship team. And, you know, sometimes you can be pretty pressed for time because the sound system doesn't always work out exactly right and all the stuff doesn't always line up. But we were like, you know what, we're just, Jay just said, no, we're going to take this 20 minutes. We, we're going to make the we're going to make it this time. And uh, we all just went our separate ways and just sat and listened to God or read, prayed, whatever, and then came back together and we were able to tell each other, um, you know, what we experienced. And it was amazing. And I really am looking forward to doing that more and more and more in our meetings. Um, okay, so the next thing that I underlined was when I think about the crowds that followed Jesus, I realized they came to Jesus not to listen to his teaching or to know him better. They came for what they wanted from him. They didn't come interested in what he wanted for them. And you know, it's true, he attracted all these crowds, but a lot of times, of course, they were coming 
for what they could get from him. And of course, I, I'm thinking about, well, that's exactly how what I did. I mean, I came to Jesus. I'm thinking, I need something. Something's missing from my life. You know, whatever. Me, about me. I needed something for me. I want to be a spiritual person. Whatever it was. Um, some people are looking for help with their marriage. Some people are looking for help with their raising the kids. Some people are, whatever they're looking for. They're looking for something different. They're not necessarily looking like, I'm going to find my maker and figure out what the creator wants for my life. They are coming for some perceived need. And... You know, that's the crowd that we have on Sunday. And we, we attract a crowd. We try to attract a crowd for Sundays. But of course, I don't see that as the, as the majority of my work. That's just what happens on Sundays. The crowd comes, and then from that, some will come to know Jesus better. And that, it really actually kind of, um, I don't know, it kind of freed my brain a little bit because sometimes I can wonder, I guess everybody does this with their job. Are we doing this right? Is this the right way to do this? You know, and you know, in our particular, church um, and I don't know what your church is like but we have sermon series that are based on basically practical everyday things that people need from their life and then people come for those things perhaps but um, you know along the way uh, God has to purify that Jesus purifies that over time to become people that want to be like him not just get things from him um, okay and then the next thing that I went to was this part where it says um, the Apostle Paul told potential followers to follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. But to what degree would I feel com confident inviting people to live their lives the way I live mine? This is a constant question in my brain. <laughs> is first of all, I just owning this like I I never I don't want to be a hypocrite. I mean that's the bottom line. I don't want to preach one thing and live another way. And I want people to be able to um, uh, follow me as I follow Christ, not necessarily all of my opinions and the ways that I do things and how you should do, you know, be practically speaking, but the spirit in which that I follow Christ, that I want people to be able to follow that. And, and right after that, he says, is my life different enough to provoke or inspire others to change their way of life? Spiritual leadership, spiritual modeling. It isn't prideful. It isn't a prideful look at me invitation. It is instead a look to Christ as I am learning to do invitation. And I was thinking that's exactly what I tried to say, but I just didn't know how to say it with Simply Holy. I feel like I will pass on to you what God is showing me and hopefully it helps you. <laughs> but um, I, it's true. It's not a prideful like, I got this. I figured it out. No, it's God is showing me stuff. I hope it helps you come along. Let's do this. We can do this. Let's, you know, uh, follow me as much as it, as much as you can, as much as you see Christ in me, follow me. And I just love living that way. I love leading that way. And I love living that way. And then the next thing that I highlighted was just these three words talking about in the, um, and the great commission at the end, when they all went up to the Mount of Olives and they were meeting Jesus, and he gets re he gets ready to say the Great Commission, where he you know says, uh, um, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me." You know, it's a very familiar passage, right? But it says that the eleven disciples went up um, on the mountain, and when they saw him, they worshipped him. And I just highlighted those three words as if I had never seen them before. But it says, "And they worshipped him." And I just thought in my mind, "What does that look like?" You know, what did that look like to worship him? Did they get down on their knees? Were they crying? Um, were they hugging him? Were they 
talking to him, praying to him. I mean, what, what did that look like? And I think, you know, we can get very uh, stuck, or I, I guess I can, I don't know, thinking what we, that we know what worship looks like. And I'm thinking 2,000 years ago, when they saw Jesus, and they worshiped him, what did that look like? And for me, it was just sort of this, I don't know, a thought-provoking um, thing for me to think about. What does it look like in the way that I follow Jesus? Is it because I'm worshiping him? Do I carry out the Great Commission? Do I share my faith with other people? Do I ask other people to come along? Do I say, come on and meet Jesus? Do I say, come and see? Am I doing that from the point of because of my worship for Jesus? And can I keep it about that? I think, like I said before, sometimes I can start that way and then veer off um, into other reasoning or for myself or I don't, I don't know what other, other ways, but um, can I do it uh, worshiping Jesus, making that what I'm doing? Um, and then it says, uh, it says, it, it doesn't take long to teach what? Because he's talking about teaching them to obey. And he says, it doesn't te take long to teach what to obey. Teaching how requires more unhurried, personalized approach and is far more challenging. Amen. That is the truth. I have always said it's so much easier to preach than it is to lead a small group, to disciple people, to get involved in their lives, to change the, the, you know, the metaphorical dirty diapers of young Christians, to get your hands dirty, helping people with marriage problems, with, with parenting problems. It's just, it takes so much more than just teaching. Teaching what? Now, showing how, and that's why I feel like a practical guide to doing everything is very necessary because I think, in general, I believe you want to disciple. I believe all of us that are disciples of Jesus Christ, we, we follow him because we want to, but sometimes we can be riddled with this question, how? How do I do this? And all the more practical advice I can get, that's what I'm going to get. I would love to know the how um, much more than the what because it doesn't take long to figure that out. And then finally, the last thing from this for me was when he says, I, I like to teach how good it is to obey, how life-giving and fruitful. I help them realize how much in the heart of God, that in the new heart God created within them, they really want to obey. And this is a deep core conviction of mine, is that obedience is awesome. Obedience is the best way to live. It's gotten such a bad rap. Everybody, you know, it's like, I don't want to obey. You know, it's hard to obey. You don't want to do what you, because you want to do what you want to do. But it, it's, when you don't obey life, it's so horrible. All the consequences, all the stuff. All the blessings come from obedience. I have not, I have not gotten anything but more blessings the more I obey. And if I had a, a wish that I could just, poof you know if you know how you wish you could just poof something into somebody's brain I wish I could poof into everybody's brain how awesome it is to obey yes is it hard yes you push through the hard part you know it's the 10 minute rule you pray until you push through the temptation but when you get at the other side and you've obeyed and you have absolutely no guilt and you feel that feeling of my 
of that blessing because God is just looking to bless your obedience. And it makes you want to obey even more. I wake up, I literally every single day think, I want to obey God. <laughs> and that has grown in me because I have seen that blessings come from obedience. He loves it. And it, it makes you feel close to him. It, um, it makes your heart happy. So that was a desire I have. And then I'll just end with these, um, my answers to these questions. Oh, I should read the question um, first because uh, that helps. Um, let me make sure I know where I am. I, I thought I was right there on the questions. I wasn't. Here I go. My phone broke. You know, you know how that feels, guys, when your phone breaks and then... You know, of course it does because I'm so wrapped up in the spiritual battle right now. It's it's very intense, but that always happens in in camp season. Okay, so the question is, when you think about ministries you lead or are part of, how much of your assigned work is meant to draw and maintain a crowd? How much intentional effort do you pour into growing individuals whose allegiance to Jesus is deepening, enabling him to transform their characters and lives? And what aspects of your work will produce lasting fruit. And this is what I wrote. I would say that the vast majority of my time is spent growing individuals. Although I think having a crowd drawing event periodically is good, we have made the intentional decision not to spend too much time in that way. It feels like the more effective method for us has been fishing for men every day and making every Sunday a crowd event. Somehow it feels challenging yet doable all at the same time. I view Sunday as the crowd and the rest of the week as my work with the committed. That's the way I organized in my brain. I don't know if that resonates with any of you. Um, but the majority of my work does not go into uh, growing. And, and I think that that's from the de particular denomination that I was baptized into was a discipling ministry. So everything, the way that I've gone about ministry, I. I didn't, I didn't go from seminary or whatever, I didn't do that. I went from be, becoming a small group leader and leading a small group of people to leading you know, a larger group of people, but it's always been with the mindset that I need to disciple the people around me and that's my, that's my job, so to speak. I feel like that's the job of every um, disciple, but that's the model I had, so I think that that's why my mind operates that way. I don't know. Okay, so number two says, in the what ways do you see busyness in your life even in your Christian life or ministry life, as more of a hindrance to your following Jesus than a help. I put, I definitely see that business of my life as a hindrance to my relationship with God. I truly believe it is Satan's grand plan to distract Americans to death. I believe the pace of the average American is a conveyor belt to spiritual destruction. And of course, our children are getting dragged, pulled, and trampled in the meantime. But enough preaching. I actually wrote that in. Um, I can easily see that when I wake with, the, with an agenda that must be done, I drag and trample my kids in the process. I become short-tempered, easily angered, bossy, rude, condescending, and unkind. So yeah, it's a hindrance to following Jesus. <laughs> but all of that is literally because I am following some arbitrary clock or timetable. Much is lost in me trying to accomplish too much too fast. And then number three, what opportunities to simplify your life might Jesus be inviting you to consider so that you can walk more closely with him and share the riches of that journey with other like-minded Christ followers? I feel that God, God, I'm sorry, I feel God calling me to simplify almost 
everything in my life. I'm literally purging even my home of stuff as a physical representation of a spiritual transformation. The decluttering of my physical space a little bit at a time is a decluttering of my mind. Also, I feel led to simplify school again and pull back the schedule again to accommodate less, but for the purpose of letting God have more. And, um, you know, I feel like with this chapter, honestly, I got so much more out of it than I'm even able to convey to you right now. And that's why it's been so fun as I've been able to go to different things, you know, like went to a 4th of July event or whatever, and I get to talk to people. I'm just, I'm just dying to hear what they are learning because then it gives us an opportunity to talk about it even more. But, um, you know, this, I, I, I want to end with this um, part about how I said I, I'm, I'm feeling the need to cut back in school again or, you know, in, in our schedule again, because I feel like what happens is that, um, you know, my schedule, my, my schooling tree, you know, because I school my kids at home or my ministry tree, whatever it is, I, you know, I tend to it, I grow it, and it's growing, it's growing. But at some point, it gets out of control, and it needs to be pruned back. And actually, that's a normal, natural thing that happens repeatedly. It's not like you find, I, I guess to me, it feels like, it's not like you finally get it. You continually have to pull yourself back and go, okay, I'm gonna, re, I'm gonna reorient myself around the things that are important. And I've become frantic, I've become um, hurried, way too hurried, unholy hurry, and I can tell. How can I tell? I can tell because I'm short-tempered. So this is me, basically, I'm gonna, now, at this point, I'm going to describe my day to you. I've become fretful, I've become um, short-tempered. Um, you know, I was trying to get the kids to pack today, and it's always funny to me when, um, when parents are trying to get uh, families out on a vacation or whatever, Trying to communicate to your kids what it would look like to actually be actively pursuing leaving is so difficult because they, they just can't get the concept. So I find myself poking and prodding and all this stuff. And But what happens to me is that I become un, more and more and more unlike Jesus as the day is going by. And I have to, I have to start using that. What I've started to do is I've started going, okay, this is bad fruit. Bad fruit. Um, this is what's happening. I'm, my mouth is spewing bad fruit. I'm irritable. I'm short-tempered. Okay, I need to pull back. I need time with God. And if, you know, if I can pull away, like even making this video right now was God's gift to me to help me pull away. There's stuff going on inside my house right now. Those of you who know me know I have a studio outside and I'm outside of my studio right now. But there's craziness going on in my house. People are packing and getting ready to go over to the Devo that we have tonight where people find out what their cabins are and all this stuff. But, you know, I just had to come out here. and came out about an hour ago and just started praying. And, you know, now I feel refreshed. Because when, when, you, when you notice the fruit has gone bad, <laughs> you need to go back. You need to throw that fruit out. And you need to go back and cut new fruit. And that's what I'm doing. That's how I feel that, that that's what I feel like this is for me is looking at what is helping me to be like Jesus and what is not. And all I can say is the more time I spent in that, spend in that quiet reflection with what I started with, the more time I spend quietly reflecting, taking more time to actually just sit and listen. I don't even have to read. I don't even have to uh, um, listen to anything. I just listen for the voice of God. It has produced more and more good fruit. And I hope it does 
in you as well and I look forward to hearing all about it on your comments underneath this video. Until next time.